today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, we ask the question, is pastoral culture healthy? This is the day that the Co-host Kyle Willis, founder of Talent Township Services. As always, Dace Clifton, pastor, professor, podcaster in Central Texas. Welcome back, Dace, to the Thriving in Ministry podcast. You and me, Kyle. It's uh, good to be with you today, man. We've had some great guests, but yeah, awesome to spend time with my Oklahoma bro. Can I say that? Oh, yeah, you can say bro. Fam, I think is how the Gen, Gen Z people say it. Fam. <laughs> You know, it's, like, it's kind of like a brother, but like kind of like a friend, but something a little bit tighter than that. So I would say my, my OKC brother, but or my OKC fam, but really you're from Tulsa, so that would be right. OKT. Oh, you're OKT. That's fine. Uh, Whatever initials. I mean, yeah, Tulsa, we live, work around here. Uh, I love Tulsa. It's a great city. Are you, know, you should come visit. I am planning on coming visit. We're going to talk about that after the show. I've actually got an idea. So uh, actually, it wouldn't be OKC. It'd be, you'd just be OT. I like that. My, o, my yeah. OT brother. No, no, no. I'm the OG from OT. OG from OT. I like that. Or you could just say K-Dub, right? K-Dub, you're OG from OT. Totally lost me. And you would be DC from HT and SS. I better stop before this gets LAME. No, Ooh, I think we're already past that point. We are already past that point. But Dace, how you been? Uh, it's been a while since it's just been us. Like you said, we've had a lot of great yep. guests. We've had, you know, Chad Misseldine. We've had uh, Doug Ward. We've got some yep. other episodes already recorded that are that are coming out that we've really enjoyed. And as we've been talking to pastors, really around those three pillars of creating margin, avoiding burnout, and leading effectively in ministry. Um, It's nice just to have us talk for a little bit, and we're going to dive into something you've been wanting to talk about for a while. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be talking about pastoral culture, and of course, that is basically the ins and outs that make the role of pastoral leadership unique. And we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls there from one of the, my favorite books. And, and I have been wanting to talk about this for a long time. And so today is the day. Dangerous Calling. Who, who's the author of Dangerous Calling? The, the, this, this favorite book of mine is by one of my favorite authors, Paul David Tripp. And uh, I tell guys, man, if you can read anything that Paul Tripp writes, you would be blessed to do it. it is, it's a great book. This is probably my favorite book that he's written. He's written 20 some odd books, but I read this one several years ago. And this is one of those books that really is, even though it's probably, you know, maybe about 10 years old now, it's going to be a classic. I mean, it just, you know, this book has been widely accepted and uh, man, it's just got a, a gold mine of, of, of great truth in it. Very cool. Uh, so we do want to talk about that. And pastoral culture is, is kind of the identity that many pastors, church leaders find themselves in. And so it can be their identity in Christ, but also their identity in their work and their calling. Yep. Identity as a, as a family man, maybe, maybe they're married, maybe they've got young kids or, or whatever. And so yeah. uh, as we're talking to you, pastors, church leaders, kind of take that in, find out uh, what is your culture. And uh, Dace is talking about my Oklahoma culture, and so I won't even start <laughs> on Texas culture because Dace always needs some humbleness and repentance. And so, mm. um, mm-hmm. yep, Dace, uh, for humbleness, why don't you start us off with the verse of the day? 
<laughs> Very good. Thank you for getting me off that, that subject. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the verse of the day is 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Man, that's just some great pastoral wisdom from uh, one of the OG original pastors, the apostles, First Peter, Ooh. talking about humbling yourself. You know, I think that's so important. So many different capacities in which we have to do that. I know I'm not naturally a humble person, and so we've got to just, you know, always go back looking to Christ, uh, looking to God, looking to his sacrifice for us, humbling ourselves. And then also that other you know, nugget of truth there that's so important, casting your anxieties on on God because of his great care for us. And so just two nuggets, right? Two two central things I think that are applicable in every area of life and for everyone just to live out the Christ life. Right. And so this episode is kind of in that staying healthy, avoiding burnout pillar of mm-hmm. dailypastor.com and kind of uh, what we're doing here on the podcast. And so um, I don't think we would be talking about this if everything about pastoral culture was healthy. So let me ask you this. Is it healthy? And what are the pros, cons? Where is it healthy? Where do we fall short? Well, you know, as I thought about this question, the first way I want to respond, Kyle, is that it can be. And, you know, over the past few weeks, we've had guests that have shared some of the things that have kept them healthy. I mean, that's one of the things that we do week after week. We ask pastors, you know, hey, what are you doing? And some common themes are beginning to emerge as we've talked to so many pastors and, and, uh, some things like, um, you know, scheduling, we've talked about that, but taking time off, we've talked about their, their own personal walks and relationships with God, that being so critical. And so I just want to begin to say, Kyle, it can be, but if you follow the news or, you know, social media feeds, you know, that it, it is often not. And we see examples of that from well-known ministry leaders, people that have huge platforms, and we see them crash and burn. Not all of them, but we see a lot of a lot of people crash and burn. You know, there's also so many that that don't have huge platforms that in your own local context, maybe in your city or your denomination or your association, there are pastors that are coming and there are pastors that are leaving in a on a pretty consistent basis. So, you know, Kyle, I would say it can be, but it often is not. Right. And I think that sometimes the struggle is that we we hide those frustrations or those, you know, negative things, right? Those areas where it is not healthy. And so um, I would actually say there's probably a much bigger deal when you get two pastors together, right? And they could be from different denominations, different geographic areas, leading different size churches. But the conversations that I hear usually when you get pastors together, even if they don't know each other or have a relationship, when there's some authenticity and some honest yeah. conversation, I'm not talking about, hey, you know, attendance is coming back strong. But when they're like, man, uh, this is brutal. Like, this has been a hard season. You know, I, I think that actually increases the overall health of pastors and, and really their friendships and loneliness and, yeah. and probably some of the stuff we're going to talk about here. So. No doubt. No doubt. I think that's a great example. And, uh, you know, those surface conversations, that convention talk, I guess you might say, you know, really uh, is not helpful. And uh, if we can really get down to what is actually going on, I think we're going to hear a different story. And I, I in, in some way, I've, I've always been intrigued by this just because, you know, I, I think back and I've told you this before, Kyle, but I've got a bookcase in my office that has you know, some, some works of some guys that I followed. And about two years ago, I started looking in that bookcase and I said, wow, that guy, he's done. That guy's done. That guy's done. And these are guys that, you know, once again, 
faithful. And even some of the books, you know, extremely valuable. And yet there were things underneath that, that, that led to some serious problems. So, and we're not just talking about, uh, falling out of ministry. It's really just a a health inside of ministry. And so that's right. uh, Even that are not that you haven't canceled already, yeah. <laughs> uh, even on your bookshelf, uh, that that are maybe even just struggling in ministry. Yeah. And so uh, we mentioned that book, Dangerous Calling by Tripp. Yep. Um, he identifies three dangers. Uh, walk us through these real quick, and, and let's talk about them. Well, the first one is I let my ministry define my identity. And basically how this happens is uh, we know that a, a ministry leaders, it's a very public platform, and you know, you've got Frankly, you, I mean, you've got an audience and you've got people, you've got fans and you've got critics. And so, you know, what you do in that public role, not just when you're on the platform or on the stage, but just really all that you're doing from media to the meetings you're having to your public perception, um, that can be dangerous if we allow that platform, that public um uh, aspect of our life to to define us. And so Tripp's got a great quote here. Human beings are always assigning to themselves some kind of identity. They are, there are only two places to look. Either you will be getting your identity vertically from who you are in Christ, or you will be shopping for it horizontally in the situations, experiences, and relationships of your daily life. And so, Kyle, that quote by Paul Tripp, really, it identifies a core thing for, I think, all of our listeners, whether you're in pastoral ministry or not. There are two places we can get our identity. Obviously, the the, the correct place is our identity in Christ. Our identity is a new creation, completely forgiven, loved, and following Jesus. I mean, that's the right place. Uh, or we get our identity from what we do for men. Oftentimes it's vocationally. For others, it could be financial status or socioeconomic things, um, even race, right? But really for the Christ follower, man, it's got to be all about Jesus Christ and getting your identity in him. I think for pastors, the pitfall is getting your identity in ministry successes, the size of your platform, the finances that are associated with that, the number of followers you have. Those are all things I think that are so horizontal, right, that, uh, man, it just doesn't lead to a good thing. Well, and I think it's a challenge because on one hand, you know, even in what I get to do, I'm like, hey, look at the metrics, right? From a a business case, or if you want to know whether a ministry is bearing fruit, like one of the ways to do it is to, you know, see where that fruit, track the fruit. That may be baptisms, conversions, that may be attendance, that may be giving, because those are are tangible metrics, right? You see, okay, hey, maybe this, but, but maybe this is going somewhere. But the struggle is that, a lot of times discipleship or spiritual maturity or, um, you know, those are harder to track. And so for you as a pastor to find identity and in, in wrap your success or, or wrap your idea of success around these things can be really difficult. Yeah. Yet, you know, yeah, yeah, your identity is in Christ, right? And, he, and yeah. he called you here. And so I think even where a lot of pastors struggle is when they sit here and say, okay, hey, maybe all this stuff, the lateral stuff is healthy, yet I'm struggling vertically or yeah. I'm really in tune vertically in this other stuff. So, so why are the other areas in my church and my ministry not working well? That's a great observation, Kyle. And I think, you know, when we're not saying that ministry fruit, you know, AKA connecting with people, engaging with people, seeing life transformation, I think that's probably the most important thing there. We're not saying right. that that's unimportant, but, you know, just to kind of highlight this, a few years ago, I had a guy say to me, 
he's a pastor and and he had a, a an off Sunday. I mean, it was just one of those Sundays where for whatever reason, you know, the the message didn't go well, the worship didn't go well, and there weren't you know, there were lower crowds there. And he, he talked about how, you know, the day after he said, you know, I was really down and he had done the same thing. You know, he'd spent adequate time in study and prayer and preparation, all the things that he knew that he needed to do that honored God. But man, he was just bummed. He was just down because it was down. And, um, he had another pastor friend that he was sharing this with. And he said, man, that's sad. And he said, well, why is it sad? He said, because basically your whole life, and how you feel about yourself is tied to how many people are showing up on this day or on that day. And I think that's a good example. We're not saying that reaching people is unimportant, but what we are saying is, is that there is a danger in tying your identity so closely to, frankly, things that you might not be able to control, or or I'll even go so far as to say that you can't control, right? That you get down or you get depressed because, you know, something happened. There aren't as many people there. I mean, hey, COVID, right? Uh, you were an online pastor whether you wanted to be or not this past year. And so I think that there is a danger sometimes when we ascribe worth uh, ultimate worth to something that is temporary. And every ministry platform, really, I mean, it is a temporary role. And so we've got to be careful on that. And I think uh, uh, one way to look at this, Dace, is that uh, when your success or when you're, when what you perceive is going on in the horizontal and the physical world dictates how you see the Father and your relationship with Him, yeah. I think that's when you know you have a problem, yeah. right? So, man, now I'm discouraged. I'm doubting what God has called me to yeah. because of the success or lack thereof in what I see. I think that's when there can be a problem. And listen, you know, I struggle with this. Like we, you and I have had conversations even the last week of of some things I was working on that didn't work out. Uh, And ultimately like I got really frustrated and I was like, man, I wish this, this was working. And yet I came back to, okay, what did God call me to do? And he had given me some promises years ago. And I was like, God, my question today is like, are you done with this promise? Right. And, and so was this a forever promise or a two and a half year promise? And, and ultimately that helped uh, frame what I was seeing as a negative in the physical world. Kyle, I think that's a great observation. I think that the critical thing is that no matter what's going on in our life, whether it is as the world sees it, tremendous success or a down season, man, looking at Christ first. I mean, I think that's really the key, key issue here. You are a new creation in Christ. You know, you're completely forgiven, you're loved, you're accepted in him if you're in Christ. And I think getting our identity there helps us have the correct lenses to look at, you know, the successes or the down days. Because frankly, everybody that's in ministry, everybody in the Bible, man, they went through struggles. They had times where people hated their guts. I mean, it's just it's just part of ministry. The struggle is real. And so we've got to look to Christ first. Well, one of the other areas that Trip identifies is around uh, theological knowledge and maturity. I think the phrase that we're using here is, I let biblical literacy and theological knowledge define my maturity. So, Dace, let me ask you this. How does that happen? What's the alternative or, or maybe a correct view of maturity? Well, let me ask you this, Kyle. Have you ever met someone who knew a lot about the Bible or I'll even say was like, 
super dogmatic about one particular aspect of theology, or let's just pick out Bible translation. Okay. And they wanted to argue this with you. They wanted to present all this evidence with you. And mm-hmm. ultimately the rest of their life, they're really not a loving person. I mean, it's just like really apparent that there's some issues going on there. There's some, mm-hmm. there's some bitterness going on there. Have you ever met anybody like that? I have never met anybody like that. Those people are only in Texas. Is that correct? Yeah. No, you can go to TikTok and search IFB sermon clips. Uh, hopefully that doesn't get us some pushback. But anyway, IFB sermon clips. And uh, there are definitely some people who hold tight. And on one hand, I, I respect that they hold tight on certain things. But my goodness, some of it is really cringeworthy. So no, I, I've never met those people. I've only seen them on TikTok. Wink, well, wink. And it's not, you know, and it's not even a denom- I think it's every denomination and every group of Christians. There, there can be people that, that frankly, they they consider themselves selves elitists. And uh, the problem with that is, is just a total lack of humility. And as Trip says, he basically is saying here that my Bible knowledge, my theological knowledge, you know, I equate that with maturity, and that is a big problem. Knowledge. And uh, I'll even say it like this, head knowledge uh, versus actual lived out experience or walking with God are two totally different things. Because Kyle, on the other hand, let me ask you this question. Have you ever met this person, a person that might not have any type of theological training or seminary degree, but man, they just ooze godliness. They just ooze holiness. Have you ever met anybody like that? Sure. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. I love those people. I everybody loves those people because they're wise. Um, you 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 feel like when you're talking to them, you know you're 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 talking with somebody who you can just sense that they've been close with God, they've walked with God, and uh, they didn't get that out of a, a a particular seminary course. And I'm not down on seminary. I'm just saying that yeah, there's something there that's that's powerful and spiritual that comes from the Holy Spirit that comes from walking with God. Those are two totally different people. And so there is a difference between biblical literacy and theological knowledge and maturity. And I'm not down on biblical literacy or theo- theological knowledge. I'm, I love that. I would hope, no. H- hope not, Dr. Base Clifton. <laughs> I'm not down on it, but I'm just saying that, that it's got to be coupled with maturity, which is the, the hard-fought journey of following Jesus on the narrow way. And one of the ways that that is in the book is um, a quote that says, the ultimate purpose of the Word of God is not theological information, but heart and life transformation, right? We have to understand that providing people theological information, which is so important, it has to lead to that transformation. I think that's the big change. Knowledge in and of itself is not sufficient. That knowledge has to lead a person to change. And for every pastor, you know this because basically when you preach a a message, what do you want? You want people to receive that message, not just so that their minds will expand, but so that they will be transformed into doers of God's word. If they don't do that, if, if, if our knowledge is just increasing and we're not doing more, we're not walking more in faith, we're not living more for Christ and for his kingdom, the pride is the ultimate fruit of, of that without that transformation. Transformation, so critical, Kyle. Yeah, Dace, as you are talking about uh, this book, Dangerous Calling, right, and even a, it being a, a legacy type of literary device and and what you were talking about there with head knowledge and practical knowledge, uh, that that's part of my legacy and in yeah. my DNA, right? Uh, my grandfather wrote Master yeah. Life, which still today is is impacting and is being sold around the world. And so um, it is really kind of cool to see how that 
there's a foundation there of, of head knowledge, of, of biblical knowledge, right? And then a practicality. Yeah. Is that the right word? A practical nature of how do we then go and do yeah. acts? Well, and, and absolutely. And I was thinking about your grandfather as well, and just you telling me, uh, you know, about the type of man that he was. You know, you definitely saw that that molding and that that union together of somebody who who knew scripture and. In theology, but yet, man, they had walked with Christ. They had walked in a very intimate way with God and produced something that was profoundly good for his kingdom. I think that's what we should all strive for. You know, the, I think about in the book of Acts where, you know, the apostles under examination of scribes and Pharisees said, man, these are unlearned and untrained men. And what I would tell anyone, I'd say the most important thing is a real and genuine uh, transformative relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, that is the foremost, that is the most important thing. That's the thing that we must seek, maintain, and follow. But that's not to say that we can't do well to equip ourselves uh, in this modern age. And if you have the ability to be able to do that, not at the sacrifice of a genuine uh, white hot relationship with God, but you should, you should uh, get the training, get the education because we're living in a, a day and an age where there are those who need to be able to speak clearly and articulately about uh, all of the challenges all of the things that are going on, particularly in ministry and in the world. Uh, we need that. And so it's not one or the other, and it's not certainly not at the sacrifice of a genuine white hot relationship with Christ, but man, when the two come together, good things can happen. Certainly. Right. And I'll give another litmus test here for those. If, if you're listening and you're like, hey, how, how do I know? I mean, maybe a question is something like this. Would I give up some of my head knowledge to have an increase in my heart knowledge? So would I give up transactional knowledge for a, a more transformed yeah. life? And if that's you, um, hey, it's not time. God's not done with you yet. Uh, so Dave says, we're closing up here. Uh, there's one other thing, and it says, I confuse ministry success with God's endorsement of my lifestyle. Well, I think this is just a great observation that Tripp makes in his book, Dangerous Calling. And when I read this quote, I think about ministry success is different from God's endorsement on our life. And so um, what are signs of God's endorsement? Well, first of all, I would say there is a continual transformation in a person's life. There is a journey. You know, it's Jesus told his disciples, follow me at the very beginning. And then also after he resurrected at the very end on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he said the same thing. He said, follow me. And so there is this progressive transformation. There's this following, this deepening commitment uh, to Jesus. Um, and I think that is one mark of, of God's endorsement. But Tripp kind of uh, points to this in, in a quote that I'd like to read, Kyle. And Tripp writes, tender, heartfelt worship uh, is hard for a person who thinks of himself as having arrived. No one celebrates the presence and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ more than the person who has embraced his desperate and daily need for it. And so who is God pleased with, you know, right? Is it the person with the biggest platform? I don't think that's the way we need to evaluate this. I think that the person that God is pleased with is the one whose heart is humble and soft towards God, who is willing to be molded and led by God's spirit, the one who is, you know, exercising, uh, or excuse me, showing these fruits of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When those are on a consistent and increasing basis in a person's life, I think you could do well to say that that person is walking with God and is living a life that is honoring to God. 
Yeah. And kind of as we wrap up, uh, like I said, here's the question that I would uh, challenge or push back to those who are listening, which is, uh, does the does the signs dictate how I feel? So to tie this all together, do I look around? I see these quote unquote endorsements. Does that impact my vertical relationship? So tie it back to the first point. Does my horizontal surroundings dictate how I feel about how God has called me to this? And and you and I would disagree on this practically we've recorded some stuff but not released it on on kind of fruit and endorsements and when you know when do you go when do you pivot all that sort of stuff Uh, maybe that comes out at some point but um, absolutely i mean the closing thought here is self-righteous people tend to be critical dismissive and impatient with others and so such a great word there dace bring us home uh what's your final thoughts well i just think that for all of our pastors and ministry leaders listening to this podcast, if there's one thing that I could say, I would say the most important thing in the universe is for you to know that you are deeply loved by God, the father, that he has called you into a real relationship. And we love ministry. I mean, Kyle, you love ministry. You're giving your life and your business expertise to grow and help churches. I love pastors. I love ministry. I love talking to them. I love reading pastoral books and all of these things. It's fun. I love the theological education. I love the podcast. I love it, man. But the thing of it is the thing that must be first and foremost in our lives is this one that hung on the cross for us, this one whose stripes by his stripes, we have been healed. The one that wore the crown of thorns for us. And and so because of his sacrifice, because of Jesus, I've got to be in love with this one who has loved me so well. And that is the relationship that I want to pursue until I meet him physically face to face and eye to eye, or as I fall at his feet, however that goes down. So I think for all of our ministry leaders, just know that you're invited into that. You're invited to experience the daily, the gripping and the powerful love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then everything that you do beyond experiencing that love, man, let that be the fruit. Let that be the outflow of keeping that relationship first. If I could say anything, keep that thing first and see what God will do in your life and in your ministry. The results are in his hands. Yeah. And as always, we hope that you've been encouraged by this episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast as we talked about pastoral culture and really finding our identity in the vertical relationship not in horizontal success. If you want to help us grow the reach of dailypastor.com and the Thriving in Ministry podcast, hey, you know the drill. Um, We would be so grateful, thankful. I don't know, whatever word I'm trying to say. Subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, leave us a review. Um, Those are three things that you can do so that uh, we feel better about our horizontal success state. (laughs) Help us out. We're struggling here, man. Uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's right. Don't forget to subscribe and like. It really helps us to continue to be able to do this. It uh, helps us to be able to fund this endeavor because, once again, it does take a little time equipment uh, to do this podcast. You can be a part of it. You can help us out. We really need you to. Thank you so much. And by the way, if you've got a comment, a question, or something you'd like us to cover on a future episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, be sure shoot us an email at thedailypastor at gmail.com. We will reply and uh, see if we can help you out. Thanks so much. Have a great day.